Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. <laughs> Man, we got a lot of talent in this church, don't we? Oh, goodness. I just I saw the Lord smiling this morning. Uh, welcome uh, to Northgate. I hope you're having a good weekend. We've had a great weekend around here. We had a number of kids, uh, ninth graders, confirm their faith, affirm their uh, baptism. Uh, yesterday, we had a confirmation service and really e- excited about this group um, Excited about their prospects. Their parents are connected here at the church. They're praying with them. They're raising them in in the Lord. And so I encourage you to pray for them. Um, We are continuing our series today, I'm Done. And we're talking about things we all got to quit doing if we know what's good for us. Being defensive. We talked about that last week. Uh, Next week, living in fear. Uh, Then we're going to talk about complaining. And then we're going to talk about comparing Um, But today's subject, excuse-making. I am done making excuses. And here's what I think. I think the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of Jesus, wants to do something in you today. He wants to do something in me. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Right here, right now, in this moment, as we sit in this room, He wants to change us. And not just for our sake, but for the world's sake. Because when we change, the world around us begins to change. The people in our lives begin to change. And that's good news, I hope. Because that's why we're here today, isn't it? That's why you showed up on a spring morning. Because you want to change. We all do. And we've got this this list in our minds. And on it we find not just spiritual things, like I've got to pray more. Uh, We're going to talk about that more in a minute, by by the way. But all sorts of things, like, uh, for example, I want to quit working so hard. Or I'm going to quit spending the money the way I'm spending money. Even more significant life changes, like healing relationships or overcoming addiction. You name it, it's on the list. But here's the problem. As soon as we start contemplating change, as soon as we start entertaining even the possibility of doing life differently than we are today, Satan goes to work in us. He lists off excuse after excuse as to why we can't change and why we will never change. And that's why, for example, New Year's resolutions never really work. By the end of January, according to the experts, 40% of those resolutions fail. By February, so Valentine's Day, just two weeks later, 75% of those resolutions fail. And you know how it goes. January 1st, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to work out. I'm going to look like a swimsuit model by March. But instead, I end up looking like Cupid. <laughs> and that, that's fine. I mean, I, I've told you before, the gym gets crazy in January. Wall-to-wall people come March. You can pick any machine you want. It's, you know, goodbye. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Resolutions don't work. Good intentions don't work. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, me, 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 my strength, my power, my thing, whereas God's intentions 
are something very different. Because when I'm in relationship with God, I no longer have to rely on my own power, do I? No, I can rely on his. And when I'm cooperating with God, when I'm joining God in what he's doing, when I'm living in the full-on empowerment of the Holy Spirit, well, instead of good intentions and failed resolutions, instead of making excuses we're all prone to do, excuses as to why we can't change, here's what happens we actually begin to change. I think of Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story. Jesus says a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but they all began alike to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, wink, wink. I'm on my honeymoon, so I can't come. You see, excuse after excuse. I want to go to the banquet. Of course I want to go to the banquet. Thank you for inviting me. I want to change. Sure, I want to change. Only later I want to change. Not now. Every week, I mean every week, I talk to dozens of people, and the theme is kind of always the same. I want to change, Pastor. <laughs> and they know it, and I know it, because they're telling, me they're, they're telling me why they need to change, and I agree. There's no question about that whatsoever. There's no ambiguity, but at the same time, they're not really wanting to change. They're not sure why they should change. Or if they know why they should change, they're not sure how they should change. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the what. I want to talk about the why. I want to talk about the how of change. I'm done making excuses. And to get us there, I'm going to ask us a few questions. I think you'll find them helpful. So let's get started. Come, Holy Spirit, again, we welcome you here. We welcome the Spirit of Jesus. Teach us today and change us. First question, ask yourself, okay? Not about me, but about, about yourself right now, right here in this moment. Let's ask ourselves, again, not next week, not next month, but right now. What does God want to change in me? I want you to ask yourself that about yourself. What does God want to change in me? Now, notice that the question is not, what do I want to change in me? Because I, I think that can sometimes, it's not always different, but it can sometimes be very different than what God wants to change in me. I remember a couple of years ago, I stood up here and I was telling a joke, and I never know when you're going to laugh, because sometimes I prepare something really funny and like nobody laughs. And, um, and uh, at, at the end of kind of a, uh, I think I was talking about dreams, I, I said my dream um, is to someday have rock hard abs. And um, everybody laughed. And uh, they didn't just laugh a little. Uh, it was two years ago, it was August, I can't remember the exact date, but I remember the time of year because I really got my feelings hurt. I mean, everybody laughed so, so much. Well, two years later, by the way, I, I thought about that. I thought, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. Two years later, I haven't proved anyone wrong yet. But, 
but, but, but, I, I am told if I lose five pounds, just five pounds, yes, me, Steve Perkins, maybe 10 now, I ate a half a pizza last night, but <laughs> if I lose just five pounds, I will have rock hard abs, so laugh it up, baby, but in the, in the greater scheme of things, in the greater scheme, I'm not sure God gives a rip about my abdomen. I mean, if God has a list, things I want to change about Steve, having a good bod is probably toward the bottom. <laughs> he cares about my body. Of course he does. It's part of who I am. But there are other things I'm sure you agree he cares more about, better things. So, so, so you see, that, that was my goal. You know, basically, the goal was proving you all wrong. But that wasn't God's goal. And so that's the question I want us to wrestle with. Again, not, not what do I want to change about myself, but what does God want to change about me? What's his goal? Your heavenly father, your maker, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who loves you and desires you and wants to be in relationship with you. For example, one of the things I know that God wants to change in all of us is our attitude toward prayer. Because God loves to relate to us in prayer. And you may remember last August, not the ab August two years ago, but last August, we set a worthy goal, an audacious goal. Pastor Jeff kicked it off, Northgate Praise. 50,000 hours of prayer this year, individually. All of us at home, praying for our families, our community, our church, our world. Each one of us praying each day. And a lot of you made commitments, and I am so proud of you for doing that. Doing that. And I know it's been a struggle, and, I, and don't beat yourself up if you haven't hit it out of the park every day. Of course it's been a struggle. Anything hard is a struggle. But because of those commitments, we're on track to pray about 45,000 hours this year as a church, which is pretty good. But that's not the goal, is it? Now, the goal is 50,000 hours of prayer, not 45,000. So listen to me. If every person here, and this is the last time I get to say it this weekend, if every person in this room hasn't yet signed up to pray daily, will you do it today? You know, whether you're new with us or not, whether you like to pray or not, Start praying. It doesn't matter. If every person in this room who hasn't signed up doesn't sign up today, we've got four months to go. That's all you're committing to at this point in time. There is no way we're going to reach 50,000 hours of prayer by the end of the summer. No way. Well, you say, <clears throat> and here comes the excuse. I'd love to commit to praying more, but, you know, you know Steve, it, it's summer, or it soon will be, and I just got to be honest with you. I don't really do God in the summer. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I boat, I swim, I barbecue like every single night, but I don't do God. Listen to me. That's Satan talking. We've only got four months left. I don't want to stand up here in August and say, hey, we fell 10% short of our goal, but way to go, team. We'll get them next time. So fill out the stinking cards, will you? Start praying. That's what. First impressions, will you please come forward? We've got pens for you. Will you raise your hand if you need a pen? And, and they fill it out. Most of you are praying. Just 
do me the favor, let me know you're praying, and increase the prayer. It can be five minutes a day, it can be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, uh, some of you filled it out this fall, you filled it out this summer. If you already did, don't fill it out, but then drop it by the doors as you leave and then pray. We're going to talk about why I want you to do this in a minute. But, but ask yourself again that question, just in, in the quiet of your heart, God, what is it you want to change in me? Figure it out. And once you figure it out, you won't have to wait long. I think for most of us, it pops into our minds right away. Tattoo it on your forehead. Take a selfie. Um, you know, uh, write it down. Put a post-it on the mirror. What does God want to change in me this season? That's my first question. As we continue, we hand out pens. Second question, why does God want to change me? Why? Because that's a good question. When we connect the why with the what, things begin to change. Back to my abs. <laughs> or lack thereof. Let me ask you, what's my motivation? I already told you my motivation. Pure and simple, proving all of you wrong. So I'm, you know, like, every day, I'm going to prove them wrong, I'm going to prove them wrong, I'm going to prove them wrong. That's my motivation. It's Obviously not motivating enough. It's not working. But why? You know, what, what's the motivation? Again, when you, not, not your abdomen, but other things. When, when you're thinking about that thing that God wants to change in you, ask, ask yourself, why does he want to change it? Why? Because that's, that's a hugely important question. You know, you know, if it is about your body, why do, you want to, why do you think God wants to change your body? I mean, if he does, you know, is it so you can feel better about yourself? Mm, I don't know. You know. Is it so that people will finally like you? Is it so that people will admire you? And, 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 because, and so that you will approve to everyone that, that, that they were wrong? I mean, be very careful if that's your attitude. Because it will never, ever pan out. You will never look good enough. You will never be smart enough. You will never be talented enough. You will never feel good enough about yourself and your own accomplishments and your own identity. People will never like you enough. They will never applaud you enough. You reach a goal. You're on to your next because you realize, well, I, you know, I did this, but oh, man, look at this. And it's the same person, different problem, but it's really the same problem. You're looking for approval from others. But it's different in Jesus. When we figure out what God wants to change in us, when we figure out why he wants to change us, we're not disappointed when we reach a goal, we're elated. Because we know that God is at work in us. We know that it's God, is, God is the one who did it in us. Think of it this way, Bible reading. Everybody says, I mean, everybody says, I want to read the Bible more. People say that all the time, including me. Okay, great. No objection. But why? Why do you want to read your Bible more? What's the motivation? I, 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 mean, I mean, think about it. Nobody would say this out loud, but is the motivation deep down, deep within your heart, and sometimes the way people say it, I, I see that is the motivation. Is the motivation getting God to like you more? You know, like I did my devotions today, check. I'm a good person, check. I prayed, check. You know? 
If I read my Bible every day, maybe God will like me better than he likes me today. Maybe God will love me. Maybe God will approve of me. Is that the motivation? I hope not. I hope that's not it, because for one, it's not true, right? God loves you whether you read your Bible or not. John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave, gave it a daily reading Bible plan, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And if he only loves you, if you read your Bible, and again, nobody would articulate that, but somehow that's what we do believe in our minds at times, and we sit down to read our Bibles, and we say, look at me, God, I'm reading my Bible. If he only loves you, if you read your Bible, well, I mean, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Because what if you miss a day? He loves me, he loves me not. And what happens, worst case scenario, if you die on a day when you didn't read your Bible, well then you're up a creek without a paddle, aren't you? I mean, you go to the pearly gates, God says, you know, Steve, he says to me, it's really too bad you didn't die yesterday because yesterday you read your Bible. (laughs) But today you didn't, so, you know. (laughs) Lucifer, Steve, Steve, Lucifer. Why does God want you to read your Bible? What's the motivation? It's relationship. The more I read my Bible, the more I learn about God. And the more I learn about God, the more I learn about me and why I do the things I do. And the more I learn about me and the more I learn about God, the more God has opportunity to change me. Same with prayer. I don't want you to pray every day so we can just meet this 50,000-hour goal. That's part of it, believe me. You know I'm frail. But the real reason why we set this goal in the first place is relationship. God wants to love on you. And one of the best places that God does that is in prayer. And that's why I want each one of us to pray. That's why I want us all reading Scripture, not to earn God's love, but to enjoy it. You see, when you understand the why, you understand the what. Now, sign up for prayer. (laughs) But this applies to everything. Let me give you some more examples. One example. God wants me to reserve sex for marriage. Okay, that's true. But why? Have you ever asked that question, why? Here's why. Because when you reserve sex for marriage, guess what happens? You model to the world a God-honoring relationship. Ephesians says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you better believe that. If a man treats a woman with respect, if a man honors a woman by honoring her body, you better believe that blesses people. It blesses people, not just in this generation, but generationally, generation after generation. It, it, it blesses your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. We, 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 we send a message to the world. We, we show the world through our relationships as Christ followers what it means to love people, truly, what it means to respect people sincerely. And we not only show them our love and our respect, but we show them God's love and God's respect, how he longs to relate to us. As Christ followers, we don't use people and then throw them away. We bless people. We commit to people. 
We hold people close, not at a distance. Not a good enough reason? Well, if you reserve sex for marriage, chances are God will give you a great sex life in your marriage. And unlike most couples, it won't be about technique, and it won't be about spicing up things in the bedroom. It'll be way better than that. Ask anyone who's married. Ask anyone who waited until they got married. They will tell you, forget the hype on average, better than average. See, the why helps you understand the what. Another example, God wants me to tithe. God wants me to give 10% of my income to the church, and so many of you are, and I thank you for that, and I'm so proud of you. I mean, we are really growing in our giving as a church, but why? Why tithe? Because generosity sets us free. Instead of being led by my wallet, I'm led by God. Instead of being led by the next bill and wondering if I'm going to be able to pay it, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And God blesses me when I'm free. And who doesn't want to be free? When we know what God wants for us, how the God, of universe, the God of the universe wants to change us, and when we agree with God on the why, God, I want to have good relationships. God, I want to have good sex. God, I want to be set free from the love of money. God, I want to do what you want me to do because you want me to do it. Guess what happens? Instead of making excuses, we change. Instead of good intentions and New Year's resolutions, we embrace God's intention. Another example from the Bible, Moses. We studied him last year, I think, Exodus chapter 4, 1,500 years before Jesus. Some two million Jews find themselves enslaved in Egypt. And God calls Moses to deliver his people, to release some two million souls from slavery and lead them back into the promised land. Not an easy assignment. God wants to set his people free. That's the what. What's the why? Well, many things. For one, God hates slavery. Still does. Two, God wants to start the nation of Israel, a geographical nation with real borders, with real land. And three, he wants to start a nation because from that nation he will send Jesus, the one who saves the world. I'm sure you agree that's a reasonably strong argument. It's a pretty good what and a pretty good why. Still, like us so many days, Moses doesn't want to go. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. God, he says, I have a speech impediment. That's, that's my excuse. Moses is relying on his power. He's not relying on God's power. God's given him the why, he's going to give him the how now. Verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will speak. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Verse 13, but Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I'm out of excuses. I just don't want to do it. That leads to that third question I want us to ask ourselves today. What does God want to change in me? Why does he want to change me? And third, how does he want to change me? How? Because he will show you how. He will show you step by step. Do this. Do that. Okay, you did it. Good job. Try this now. Oh, yeah, you didn't quite do that the way I imagined. 
quite the way I told you to do it. That's okay, I love you. Let's try it again. Most of us, we know what God wants to change in us. That's a no-brainer. We're learning why. We're not always convinced why, but we are learning why he wants to change us, why we should do what he wants us to do. But oftentimes, we stop there. We stop short because we're not sure how God will change us. How will he change us? Better said, we don't believe how. People sometimes say, I want to be more patient, but I'm just not. Nobody in my family is patient, and I never will be patient. I never will be, really. I mean, have you ever made a definitive statement like that? That's just who I am. This is the way I am. I'll never change. The, 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 The God, Jesus, who raised Lazarus from the dead after four days in the grave, cannot make you and me more patient? Or or people say, I want to be a godly spouse, but you know, my parents, they were bad examples, so I can't. Seriously. You don't think God, the God of the universe, the one who saved you from sin and death and hell, can make you into a godly spouse? God is not the least bit concerned with the how. He can do it. He can accomplish it. Back to Moses, verse 14. He, He makes his excuses, but then the Lord's anger burned against him. No more excuses, God says. If you can't speak, I'll have your brother Aaron do it. He's a good speaker and will work on you in the meantime. Enough is enough. Just go. And Moses does. But imagine if he hadn't. Not only would Moses miss out, so would two million Jews living as slaves. They'd still be down in Egypt. There most certainly wouldn't be a nation of Israel, and if there wasn't a nation of Israel, there wouldn't be a Jesus. See, God not only changes us for our sake, he changes us for others. Because again, when we change, the world around us changes. Our school changes, our work environment changes, our families change, our neighborhoods change. Some more examples. I want to quit smoking, people say. I'm going to quit drinking. Okay, quit then. Now, (laughs) yeah, I know, I know. It's not as easy as it sounds. Of course it's not. But don't, whatever you do, resign yourself to it. That's why people say, well, you know, I I was going to quit, but I've tried before. That's not a helpful narrative. That's not the thing you need to be telling yourself. That's not a good excuse. Do something about it if not for yourself, for others. I wish my grandfather would have quit smoking. I wish he would have quit drinking. I would have got to know him, but instead he died when I was a baby. Take the first step, whatever it is. Treatment, a nicotine patch, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't know what it is. Others say, another example, I want to quit eating so much. I hear people say that all the time. Obesity is an epidemic in our culture. Okay, do it then. Well, yeah, I mean, easier said than done. Okay, yes, sure, sure, sure. But again, you're not quitting so much for yourself. You're quitting for others as well. So join Weight Watchers or eat lean cuisines every night for, you know, six years. Uh, That sounds awful. Um, (laughs) But God will show you what to do next. But don't just sit there in the meantime and make excuses. Do something. Uh, Let me tell you what, you know, what I do that's been helpful when it comes to eating. This is kind of a funny example. I, I no longer carry cash with me. And some of you have been to Financial Peace University with it. 
you know, you don't carry cash. I mean, that's what you're told to do in that class. Like, just carry you know, cash, 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 cash. And, 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 and uh, it's good teaching. I don't argue with it, but I'm very good with my money. I keep track of my money. I know where my money goes. But when I have cash in my pocket, here's what I do. I sneak fast food. I sneak fast food. And, 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 and the reason I said that is because if I pay with cash, there is no evidence of my eating. <laughs> like a credit card statement. So I swing by Chick-fil-A on my way home. And what's wrong with that, you say? God loves Chick-fil-A. Almost, almost as much as he loves a good Christian bookstore. They're closed on Sundays. They play elevator worship music in the bathrooms. They've got real lemonade. I mean, what's wrong with Chick-fil-A? What's the harm? Pull up, I get some chicken. <laughs> I went the other day to Chick-fil-A with my family of six. The bill was so high. It's a true story. The manager introduced himself to us. <laughs> But pay in cash, you know? I mean, no, nobody has to know. But here's the thing. I don't, in my best self, I don't want to eat chicken. Abs are made in the kitchen or in the restaurant, okay? I don't want to eat chicken. So how do I stop buying chicken? I don't carry cash. That's how. Because if I stop at Chick-fil-A and I have to pay with my credit card and it comes through on my email, my wife asks me later that day, did you stop at Chick-fil-A today? <laughs> and she asks me in front of the kids. Stop making excuses. Do what God wants you to do. Just take that first step, whatever it is, that first how. If he wants you to pray, start praying. If he wants you to join a small group, march out these doors at the end of the service and join a small group. Newbies do this so well. People who meet the Lord, they, they hear his voice. They're excited about following Jesus. He tells them to do something, and they do it. But as we mature, mature. We increasingly, in many ways, become immature, and we become masters at excuse-making. Kind of the classic Christian excuse-making phrase is, I've got to pray about it first. And what that typically means, not always, but what that typically means is I don't have an excuse off the tip of my tongue, and so by saying, I've got to pray about it, that will give me time to make up an excuse as to why I'm not going to do the thing you asked me to do, and then I'll come back to you and tell you I prayed about it, and I'm not going to do it. And I used to be very good at this, genius at it myself. For example, I would tell people all the time, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. That, that's how God made me, and introverts think they're better than extroverts. You know, I'm not like that person talking over there. So people would ask me all the time, Steve, you want to get together? Mm, sorry, I'm an introvert. It's true. I mean, I use it for everything. <clears throat> Someone would invite me over. You want to come over for dinner at our house you know, and, 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 and hang out this weekend? We'd like, like to get you back. You know, I'd say, I'm not really one of those people who likes to go to other people's houses for dinner. You know. Oh, oh I'm sorry. What, what, what do you mean? Oh, it's not your fault. You didn't know. I'm an introvert. It's true. I, I got someone say, you know, can you come over, Steve, and help me move this couch? And I'm thinking, oh, sure, yeah. And, they say, and a couple of other guys are going to be there because it's heavy. Well, you know, you almost had me until you said that other phrase, other guys. And so I can't come and help because I'm an introvert. 
You see excuse making, but praise God, he's been changing that in me these, these past uh, few years. For, for example, um, last weekend, I was in so much pain, I had a hernia repair. I was up here preaching my plan. I'm going to go straight back after the service to my secret office, which I built, by the way, because I'm an introvert. <laughs> and I'm going to hang out there between services and rest between services. But I couldn't do it. God's changing me. Saturday night, <clears throat> a pastor friend shows up, he and his wife, wanting to be encouraged, two people who basically met Christ here, who found their calling here, they've moved about 40 minutes away, and now he's a youth pastor, and when they stopped by, I had to talk to them, I, had, I haven't seen them in so long, I had to hear what God was doing in them, and I was so glad I did. And then something similar happened on Sunday after 9 and 11. God said, talk to that person over there. And I thought, oh, God, no, I, I just, I'm not feeling good, and I'm hurting. And, and God said, try sitting down. Okay, that's better. I sat down. And so I visited with people, and I had some of the most meaningful conversations I've had all year last weekend because I listened to God because I did what he told me to do. I said, thank you, God, for pushing me. So instead of making excuses, I decided to trust God, and that's what I want us all to do. Like, whatever that thing God told you about today, trust him, say to him, I'm done, I'm done making excuses. God, I'll do that thing you want me to do. God said to Moses, go, and when you go, I will help you and teach you. But you gotta start going first. You don't wait for that divine thunderclap. That's what we, we do all the Well, you know, give me a sign, God. He's giving you a 10. Give me 10 more. Yeah. Don't wait for the temptation to go away. I'll quit smoking when I'm not tempted to smoke. Well, good luck with that. Right? Yeah. Don't wait for whatever challenge you need to resolve to somehow miraculously be re resolved. No, say to yourself right now, even in this service, God, I want to change. I'm done making excuses because when we stop making excuses, we do change. We get the Holy Spirit. We get the Spirit of the risen Jesus living inside of us. And all of a sudden, we have a faith. And it's not some kind of theoretical faith, but it's a tangible faith. It's a real faith, God, and it's a specific faith. God, I'm going to believe you for this thing. I'm, I'm, headed this, I'm headed this way. This is the thing you want me to do. God, I'm, I believe that you're going to change this in me. There's a confidence. God's going to do this. We don't have to worry about it. God will. We know the what. We know the why. We're learning the how step by step. And we're changing. So ask him today. You've got to be in relationship with God to apply this message. You have to. Nothing I've said today will make any sense unless you relate to God, unless you're praying, talking to God, conversing. So ask God, what do you want to change in me? I've got my list, God. But what do you want to change in me? And why do you want to change it? Because when you connect the why with the what, it makes sense. Oh, I see, God. You're not just trying to spoil my fun. Like There's a reason why you want me to change. And then the how, God, how do you want to change me? And he will. As you stop making excuses, as I stop, as we start changing, like I said, the world around us begins to change. The generations change. And the world is better because we listen to the what and the why and the how. And we allowed God to go to work 
in us. So here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we say today, I'm, for all of us, just individually, individually, individually we, we say, I am done making excuses. In fact, will you just repeat that after me, everyone, in good, loud voice? Lord Jesus, I'm done making excuses. That thing you want to change in me, I'm done excusing it. Thank you. Show us the what, the why, and the how, Lord. Show us how you're going to change us, why you want to change us, what you're going to change in us. And I'm confident, God, that you're going to change something in every single person in this room starting today. Can't wait to see what you do, how you work it all out. And all God's people said, amen. All right, thanks for watching. I want to let you know about three things that you can do. First, you can locate discussion questions for this message on our page so you can do some independent study or talk with a group to help you process. Then, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Finally, if you are feeling this ministry and you want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.